Excuse me. I'm so sorry. Welcome back to another episode, my little truffle hunters. Trundful. No, it's truffle, not trundful. I don't know what the fuck a trundful would be. My little truffle hunters. On today's episode, I thought I had already did this. I thought we had already, you know, let it rain and then cleared it out. Chicken noodle soup with the soda on the side style. But going back and looking through the episodes for the end of this year, I realized I didn't rank uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 4. I didn't give uh, my personal rankings on uh, what's been mostly a kerfuffle in the Marvel Cinematic U. So we are going to count that down. There's only uh, seven movies during the span of this phase. So it's going to be a... Uh, uh, an episode on the lighter side uh, and it's not going to be too heavy light consumption and we'll crack right off with number seven Thor Love and Thunder this is a movie that I did cover on the podcast and I I didn't I didn't hide my feelings Um, I feel like Taika Waititi um, doesn't get Thor I'm tired of joke Thor and Thor being a joke Thor had a a really good uh plot develop plot plot and character development storyline excuse me a little burpee going all the way through um Avengers Endgame you know he was the man has been through the most in the Marvel Cinematic Universe so to see him as nothing but a bumbling twit who has a love affair with a axe hammer over his old hammer it was it grated on me i hated to see the god of thunder like that um coming in at number six dr strange in the multiverse of madness or as i'd like to call it dr strange in the madness of a few select multiverses because for a movie with a title like that, they sure didn't live up to the promise, bro. Like, okay, you'll get a uh, a pass by. You know, we're going to quickly run across the multiverses, but we're really going to end up on, like, two or three different Earths. And, you know, sorry, boners. Um, Doctor Strange was a character that I didn't even really like. I, I, I did not enjoy the Doctor Strange solo movie the first one i didn't end up liking doctor strange until infinity war and i'm like oh shit yeah that's right there's the magic and that's how you get the girl (laughs) but um this one was still infinitely better than um than doctor strange it's just for what they were hyping up they faltered they they didn't stick it as they say in gymnastics, uh, they they didn't stick the landing. Um, coming in at number five is a movie that, if you ask me and you ask any other person, should have happened a long time ago. Should have happened. And, and the thing about Black Widow is that she has a past. Like she said in Avengers, she's got red in her ledger. We could have gone any time period. And it just, it fucking, as Will Ferrell said 
in Blades of Glory. It's mind-bottling how uh, how th- it took them so fucking long to, you know, she is, without a doubt, the first lady of Marvel. You know what I'm saying? Actually, that's not true. The first lady of Marvel would have been uh, Pepper Virginia Potts, uh, played by Gwyneth Paltrow. But she is, in terms of, like, action-ready, she is, she definitely should have got a solo movie before Captain Marvel. And that was disrespect on Marvel's part. It's their handling of the character of Black Widow or the assassination of Black Widow by those bastards, Joe and Anthony Russo. Um, It's frustrating. (laughs) And, you know, like I said, you have this chance to tell a story that, uh, hell, you know, you could end up anywhere with the character because the character has, you know, she's a spy. She has tales that could have been told in the time period for which they chose to tell it in, which is in in between uh, Cap, Civ War, and Infinity War. And I just feel like creatively they were kind of just... Saying like, well, fuck it, you know, it's what they want. Let's give them what they want. But mm, we don't really want this. You know, there's also artistic choices. I just felt like we, practices we need to get away from, like the camera being insanely inappropriately right up Black Widow's ass on certain shots. Like, what is this, man? And it was directed by a woman. Like, what the fuck is this male gaze bullshit? Like, come on, treat this character with more reverence and respect. She's Natasha motherfucking Romanoff, okay? So frustrating. And uh, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I almost forgot the unofficial sponsor of the podcast. Um, I'm going to shock you today because it's not liquor. Today's unofficial sponsor of the podcast is Sprite, Lemon Lime, Lemon lime soda, 100% natural flavor, no caffeine. And of course, you know, you know, you know, you know. Gotta go in for that pop, that pop. And of course, after we go in for the pop, or we gotta go in for that sip, honey, honey. Mm. refreshing and it's been the thing that's been helping me get over this flu or whatever the fuck I have excuse the sniffles like I said I'm getting over a sickness all right coming in at number four is the Eternals and this is probably if you ask anybody they'll be like why the fuck did you rate the Eternals so strongly you have three other movies that could have been Better than that, I like this movie. The reason that I slated or I slotted Eternals in at number four is because this is the most art house outside of the fucking box, outside of the formula type of MCU movie you'll ever get. And it, I also rank it at number four because this is the first movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe where you actually see two people on screen fucking. I mean, they're not going full frontal, full full penny. 
they're not jumping in full dangle. Um, but you do see people on a beach seeing nothing wrong, nothing wrong with the little bump and grind. They don't see nothing wrong. Ah, oh, shit. I forgot that. Ah, God damn you, R. Kelly. Forgot that was R. Kelly's song. I'm sorry. But, um, yeah, I like the movie. I, I, you know, it's the thing that people are like, the reviews, oh, it's so boring and long. Like, bro, you ever like, okay, so it was, it was more of a thought piece than anything else. But, dude, definitely not the longest Marvel Cinematic Universe movie out there. Brostophilesis. So calm the fuck down. Like, learn to appreciate something else. If nothing else, The Eternals is a perfect palate cleanser because we've kind of been, you know, Marvel's at that delicate phase right now, no pun intended, where, you know, they've got to take risks like this artistically, which is a weird thing for me to be talking about Marvel movies and artistic risk or taking artistic risks but they need to take risks like this if they want to remain relevant because if there's one thing i've learned from being a fan and watching fandom is that even people who love your shit love to try and take it away from you uh don't you know i'm gonna be like lavar burton and tell you don't take my word for it why don't you go ask daddy george lucas people loved his shit they started doing you know doing a little bit too much of the too much And, you know, it got to a point where he, uh, I feel like he was peer pressured into fucking selling his shit to Disney because most of us were ungrateful, shit-sipping, bitch-ass, whining little babies about it. So, like Marvel, if they don't start taking more risks like this and changing up the formula, there's the fear that you remain stagnant. And stagnation in the box office, they don't mix, baby. They don't mix. And all right, coming in at number three is Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings, or I'm sorry, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I fucking love this movie. Now, I'm going to admit to you guys, the first time I saw this movie, I was way too stoned. So I passed out and I missed it. This movie is... It's perfect in terms of shout out to the old school Hong or Hong Fu. Jesus, Jensen. Old school Kung Fu, or as Jackie Chan would say, Gung Fu uh, type of movies. I may not be a fan of the way that they changed the look of the Ten Rings, because in the comic books, the Ten Rings are ten actual rings that go on your fingers, and they all have different powers. And I suppose maybe they changed up the aesthetic look and style of the Ten Rings for the MCU so that they wouldn't just be like, oh, they're, you know, because they pretty much are, well, not pretty much, they're, they're, they're comparable in power with the, the Infinity Gems of the, uh, the fucking, what is it called? The power gauntlet that Thanos wears. Um, I, the, the one thing I'd say if I had to nitpick was that it got that weird, dark, 
end of the movie battle shit that's just like, why does everything have to just be fucking color graded so oddly dark and just almost unappealing looking? They, they did the same shit to Wonder Woman in her her debut film where the end of the movie is just like, okay, we're going with this weird color grade and can barely kind of make the shit out. Like, you can make more of the shit out in Shanxi, but it was a, a choice that I'm just like, I wish you would have made a different choice, you know? But, you know, hey, I'm not the one making the big bucks and the big decisions. I'm just some bald fuck who sits here and enjoys and consumes the content and scrutinizes it. What the fuck do I know? Um, you guys will probably, well, uh, maybe people who know me won't be shocked to people who do know me. You may be shocked, you may not be shocked. Coming in at number two is Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, I had seen this movie so many fucking times. I, all the hype leading up to it. And like I said, I'm I'm always behind the scenes for you guys. I'm always peeking in people's curtains and, you know, looking at, you know, what, what are they cooking in the kitchen? What are they doing? <coughs> oh, shit, that guy just ate a Cheeto off the ground. You know, I'm always peeking behind the scenes to bring you guys your wildest hopes and dreams and entertainment. That's all I want for you. I just want to bring you entertainment, baby. I don't want to hurt you. I just want to heal you with this nice, fat slice of entertainment. So let me do that for you. You going to let me do that? You going to let me do my thing and entertain you? Are you going to stop me from trying to entertain you? That's all I want to do. Hey, hey, hey. Shh, shh. Calm down. Relax. I just want to entertain you. Why won't you just let me entertain you? <laughs> I loved this movie. And I, I was I was theorizing because you have this, you know, anybody that's anybody knows that Spider-Man is on loan um from Sony Pictures to Marvel, you know. And and in one way you look at it that Sony Pictures fucked up. They botched Spider-Man so hard that they had to kind of share him with Marvel to make the character um, mean something again because they had fucked him up so bad. Like, really, really, really fucked him up. It's like, I don't even understand why you rebooted. You should have gave Raimi his chance to do Spider-Man 4. Like, you really didn't need to rush it. Like, that was one of the more baffling things. And then you rush it and like, hey, not only are we going to rush a new um, motherfucking... uh, new chapter in the Spider-Man saga. But we're directly going to let ourselves be influenced by Batman. And Spider-Man's going to be this dick who kind of make jokes, but the whole scenario is dark, dark, because he's just beating the shit. He's just kind of a bully. It's not even fun. You know, just bullying regular street thugs. Um so yeah, those those two movies happened, and then they were trying to force their own shared universe because by then, you know, by by the time that Amazing Spider-Man two had come around, 
um, the MCU was, while still in, if, in its infancy, was doing its thug thizzle, and people were starting to be like, well, shit, this shared universe shit is, you know, it kind of ruined the market with the shared universes and shit like that. But Sony was trying to rush, and they were trying to serve, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, you had the Green Goblin, you had Electro, Jamie Foxx's Electro, which, for my money, I fucking loved Jamie Foxx's Electro. I don't get everybody's hatred of him. I think he did great as Max Dillon. I love that Electro's blue because if you ever read um, if you ever read Ultimate Spider-Man comic books, you would know that that's exactly how Electro looks in in that universe. So y'all can kiss my ass with your negative opinions on Jamie Foxx's Max Dillon. But they had that going on. They were trying to build the Sinister Six. They they they, they had the Rhino. You know they they're just doing too much. And that movie is pretty much just like a trailer for, oh, we're going to do Sinister Six. Like, Sony doesn't really understand the property that they have. So, and at the end of the day, they had to, they had to throw it back to Marvel. And the reason I'm, I just told you that whole history lesson is because I had this theory, right? Um, I'm glad I was wrong about it, but you know, the, each title of the Spider-Man movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe have had a direct correlation to something in the movie. It wasn't just a title, it meant something like that was that was an indication of something in the movie. And uh Spider-Man Homecoming was a a double-sided or not it was a two-sided sword and one way it was Homecoming as in welcome home, welcome to your real home, Marvel um your real home at Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then the other side of that sword in terms of the homecoming was that Peter Parker was getting ready to celebrate his homecoming dance. You know what I'm saying? And then Spider-Man Far From Home dealt with the fact that Spider-Man, for the majority of the movie, was fighting Mysterio or bad guys um, in a location that was far from home. I believe it was Paris, France in the second one. So when they titled the third one Spider-Man no way home. I got overly paranoid and I thought, okay, this is, we're dealing with the multiverse. I'm going to cry if Spider-Man gets sucked into a Sony universe portal. You know what I'm saying? If, uh, if this is the end for Tom Holland, Spider-Man, and he's going to get sucked into the shitty Venom universe. And like, uh, that was my working theory. I never thought that No Way Home would mean that he would have the entire world's memory erased. Aunt May would be dead. And No Way Home, because Aunt May is his home. It's, it's, it's deep shit. You know what I'm saying? If you think about it like that, it's deep shit. Spider-Man has No Way Home. Aunt May, his family is his home. She's deceased. And the entire world forgot about him. It was actually... When I when I com- compounded my own theory with that that actuality, it was it kind of my eyes got a little misty, as they say, and uh, yeah. So that's number two, Spider Man No Way Home. Plus, it had some of the the best uh, fights. That fight between Tom and Willem Dafoe, where um, Spidey's punching him, and at one point he stops, and the Green Goblin's just. <laughs> That shit was creepy. It was creepy as fuck. Like, fucking... 
everybody out here is talking about goblin mode, and I'm not sure what their definition of it, of it is, but when someone says goblin mode, I think of Willem Dafoe's face smiling and nothing else. <clears throat> Coming in at number one, I mean, come on. Come on. Madi, you guys want to hear my terrible Christopher Walken impression? Okay, here, here it goes. So... I walked into the Marvel cinematic viewing of the Black Panther and it was spectacular. And I turned to my friend and I said, Marty, wow. I know, out of all the impressions I've ever done, that Christopher Walken is fucking terrible. But it's terrible in like a hilarious way. I mean, it makes me laugh. And sometimes that's all I give a shit about is making me laugh. I'm not concerned about you and what you want and what gets you off. No, you dirty pervert. I'm concerned with me. I'm concerned with getting me off. And I, I get off by making myself laugh, okay? So you you just go and, and do whatever you do. And, and I'll be here doing what I do, okay? So you just don't even worry about that. <laughs> I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, it's the end of the year. We know around this time of the year, Jensen's episodes get a little zany because everybody gets a little drinky drunky in the holidays. But Wakanda Forever, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. If for nothing else, if for nothing motherfucking else imperious rex my nigga they brought it they brought they brought thor 11 thunder didn't bring the thunder because black panther will kind of forever stole all of it i i i keep getting these things in nerd culture where I'm looking up the screen telling myself I never thought that this could be a reality. I was just watching for like the 17,000th time Aquaman. And I, oh my God, I love that movie so fucking much. I, I'm, I'm sitting there watching Black Manta chase Arthur Curry in like Rome or Italy or whatever the fuck that is, shooting the laser beams out of his big fishbowl head. And I'm just sitting like, I can't believe that I live in a fucking world where fucking black motherfucking Manta is a real character on the TV screen, not a cartoon off the page or, or on a Saturday cartoon uh, program. He's a fucking real tangible person that's a that's a real thing that someone built that's running around on a movie set i i just the little boy in me is so fucking happy oh i feel overjoyed when you listen to my words oh i feel them sinking in Oh, I feel them crawling underneath your skin. Just felt like randomly singing because I'm just so fucking happy at the shit that is coming out. That's just, it feels like a validation when when foster parents and shit would tell me that I was wasting my time. Comic books were for children and they're trash and they would never amount to anything. Well, guess what, Gary and Linda Clark in Salem? Suck a whale's dick. 
suck it, swallow all that whale baby gravy, you fucking pieces of shit. Because we are at the end of 2022 and we just got Black Panther. We just got motherfucking Namor. Namor, okay? The the first mutant homeboy with the wings on his feet. Fuck you, Gary. <laughs> but no, seriously, fuck both those fucking idiots from Salem. Fucking self-righteous pricks. I hope somehow you're listening to this. I don't forgive you for stifling my passions. And I really do mean that. I want you to put on some scuba gear. I don't know how you do it. It's not up to me to help you decide how you do it. But slap on some scuba gear, deep dive in the ocean, and go suck a whale dick. You guys didn't even try to inspire me. You tried to make me boring. But yes, Wakanda forever at number one. What else, what, what the fuck else was it going to be? And this movie had, it had to do a number of things. And, and for my money, it did it. Uh, maybe at certain points it kind of didn't hold up in terms, you know, it was, it was always going to be hard to match or for, it was always going to be hard to match Black Panther, you know, especially without the the immense energy that Chadwick Boseman brought to the picture. It just was never going to happen, you know what I'm saying? But this movie was still good. It was still good as shit. And it was good because it did things like the opening of the movie is, unfortunately, you don't get to see him on screen, but uh, Boseman's Black Panther, Boseman's T'Challa, passing away the and then the movie is emotionally rests on the shoulders of shuri and and uh queen ramonda and and fucking oh man what's her name the captain of the dora dora melage you know this this was very a very female centric movie which why why shouldn't it be because if wakanda is anything wakanda is you know, it's always looked in my eyes to be, in terms of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, a representation of uh, strong women. And so you have that, and then you have the very capable and very affable Tanakh Hurata as Namor. You also have Dominique Thorne as Riri Williams. Winston Duke gets bumped up, you know what I'm saying? Winston Duke was the comedic relief of Black Panther 1. And so it was nice to see his character in M'Baku get bumped up to what, in, in TV terms, as they would relate to as a series regular. Um, I loved... I, I love this movie so much. The only thing that I wish... I could have gotten more of was I I can't think of her name right now now but the actress the lovely lovely woman who plays uh Nakia uh Chadwick or T'Challa's uh lover and and daughter of Wakanda spy super spy which in this movie she proves all that shit they're talking in the first one about her being a spy and blah blah like you really are a motherfucking spy. Like, James Bond ain't got shit on you, girl. Like, damn, girl. Fuck, man. She was looking 
fine as fuck in all those colors. She's just fine as fuck. It's just, there's no competition. She's just fucking, she's, she is an other earthly being. I don't know. She's just, man, like, is it anytime she come on screen, like, is it getting hot in here? Like, damn, it's, uh, no, it's definitely her. This movie, special to a lot of people, I'm sure. You know, had to do that, had to had to act as a uh, a last goodbye to Chadwick. It had to be a continuation of what came before it in the first movie. And it also had to be the end capper of the Phase 4 movies. And with them dealing with, like, you just come to realize by the time that Black Panther's over that Marvel Phase 4 is about dealing with grief. It's about, you know, feeling shitty. Because almost every one of those movies and then the TV shows to boot dealt with grief. Some type of suffering, struggling, gasping for air shit. But as I'm looking at... The number, I realized that, nigga, you just talked for almost 30 minutes, and this was only seven a seven-movie list. So maybe you should let the listeners go. Stop holding them hostage. Um, untie their hands from behind their back. Let them go. And I will catch you guys on the next episode. I think I might have one more two up my sleeve. I know I'm going to do an end-of-the-year podcast, and I'm definitely going to get sauced. So you're definitely going to deal be dealing with... Uh, sassy Jensen and I, I think it should be a good fun raucous time and so I will say Mwah, and good night <laughs>